As you know, we're involved in a little bit of a compromise. Advent begins four Sundays before Christmas. Christmas begins December 25th. But somehow, because of the culture we live in, rather than celebrating Christmas on Christmas Day and after, we've moved the celebration of Christmas before Christmas and essentially displaced Advent. The Christian calendar has always celebrated Advent for the four Sundays before Christmas. And so now we have this awkward period of time. Are we in Advent or are we in Christmas? And it seems that in my lifetime, the beginning of Christmas music on the radio used to at least start the day after Thanksgiving. But now I think it starts the day after Halloween or a little before, right? Because I'm not sure who's driving this. I suspect it's merchants, but um, we'd extend this season for a variety of reasons. But we have a compromise here at MCN, and that is we celebrate a couple weeks of true Advent, and then we shift into Christmas a couple weeks before Christmas. And so today's the shift day. Today's the shift day. At least one of you suggested we say more Christmas songs uh, in our service in the, on the little comment cards. I appreciated that. And today, as you can see, was the day we shifted to Christmas. But you can't talk about Christmas without talking about Jesus. And you can't talk about Jesus unless you talk about all that he has done and all that he has planned. And so, as you could tell from the Advent reading this morning, today we're going to talk about the culmination of Jesus' plan. We're going to start by looking back, back to Isaiah 35, to the voice of the prophet, to a people who were without hope, to a people who had lost their land, to a people who had lost the center of their religion, the temple was destroyed and gone. God makes a promise to those people through the prophet Isaiah. And these are the words of the prophecy in Isaiah 35. To people who have no hope, this is what God says. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and shouting. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Verse 3, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful of heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be opened, and the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy, for waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Verse 8, a highway shall be there. It shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. 
No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will be on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the good news, the prophecy, prophecy of Isaiah for the people of God. The, prof, the prophecy itself begins by telling us that even the creation itself will be redeemed. Though everything around the people seems hopeless and bleak and miserable, the creation will come alive again. And because God has not forgotten his people, God never forgets his people. Because God has not forgotten his people, he gives assignments to them. Did you notice that there was homework in the prophecy? Did you catch those phrases? The first assignment they're given is, look for the fearful of heart. Look around you. See those who are shaking in their boots and address them. This is a word of encouragement, a task of encouragement assigned to the recipients of the promise. He also says, once you see them, say to those who have weak knees, to those whose hands are feeble, say, look, God is on the way. Pay attention, God is on the way. And when he arrives, everything will be different. Those with infirmities will be healed. Your current circumstances will not limit your future. The environment around you will support life once again. There will be water, and where water is, there is life. There will be access to all that God is planning and a safe road to return to Zion. The road to the promised land of God will be wide, safe, and secure. This is the promise of God for the people of God. But it is more than just a promise to the remnant of Israel. The wording of the prophecy is such that only the coming of the Messiah can fulfill this prophecy. And because in our day, we know that Messiah has already come and that not everything articulated in this prophecy has been fulfilled, we know that this prophecy will be completely filled when Jesus comes again. How do we know this? Well, we look around us and not every lame person has been healed. Not every blind person sees. Not every deaf person hears yet. There are still lions in the land and our enemy hasn't yet been completely destroyed. Yes, Israel will return from exile. Yes, God will once again make a way for his people to return to their homeland. God is faithful again and again, generation after generation. But the problem of the sinful nature of humanity, the problem of our inbred violence, the problem of our selfish, self-absorbed personalities, this hasn't been completely resolved yet. But one day it will be completely resolved. One day, sin will be completely destroyed. One day, our violence will be gone. One day, we will honestly look out for others. 
There really is coming a day when the wolf shall live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat and the calf and the lion will feed together and a little child will lead them, Isaiah tells us. This is what the root from Jesse's stump, the Messiah, will bring. This is what Isaiah is telling us. This shoot from Jesse, this, this Messiah that's coming is going to bring fulfillment to all of the cosmic promises of God for his people. But if all that wasn't fulfilled in Jesus' first coming, when will it be fulfilled? You remember the story recorded in the first chapter of Acts at the end of Jesus' lifetime, after he's been crucified, dead, rises again, appears to his disciples, they gather outside Jerusalem, and Jesus returns to heaven. You remember that story, right? Do you, do you remember the words of it? Just to tweak your memory, let me read a few of the words. Acts 1.6. When the disciples had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? That question means, Lord, Messiah, is this the time when you're going to fulfill all the messianic promises made to Israel? Is this the moment? You've been crucified, you died, you've, risen, you've risen again, you've proved yourself powerful over death. Is this the time when all the promises are going to be fulfilled? And Jesus answered them. He replied, Verse 7, it is not for you to know the times or periods the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, no, this isn't the time of culmination yet. There is more for you to do before I can bring everything to fulfillment. Can you hear that under the text there? There's more for you to do. You will be my witnesses. There is more for you to do until I can bring everything to fulfillment. Verse 9. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up towards heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus is coming again. This this isn't a minor theme of the New Testament that you can just find in a couple places, this idea that Jesus is coming again. It is everywhere. It is the anchor of our Christian faith. Let me just cite a verse or two or 12 of the references to the second coming of Jesus that exist in the New Testament alone. Hebrews 9, 27. 
And just as it is appointed for mortals to die once, and after that the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. John 14, 13. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me. Matthew 24. But about that day and hour, no one knows, only the Father. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Therefore, you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. 2 Peter 3.10 But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Revelation 1.7 Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Matthew 16.24 For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do this. 1 Thessalonians 4 For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, we who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And don't miss Revelation 3.11. I am coming soon. Don't miss those words. I remember as a kid, we sang a hymn, and the chorus went like this. Coming again, coming again. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening and maybe soon coming again coming again oh what a wonderful day it will be jesus is coming again listen to what james has to say be patient therefore brothers and sisters until the coming of the lord the farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Brothers and sisters, do not grumble against one another so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the door. Jesus is coming. You know, it has been a long time since the promise was made. But don't forget, it was a long time between Isaiah spoke his word and Jesus was born in Bethlehem. 
And the length of time between promise and fulfillment doesn't diminish the truth of the promise even a little bit. God has spoken. It's as good as done. So the question that remains is simply this. How do we live in light of the promise of Jesus' return? How should we live knowing that Jesus is coming back to earth again and this time when he comes, he will not come as a child, but he will come as the judge of heaven and earth. You know, each of us, we choose exactly how we will live in this in-between time. If you listen to the scriptures I read previously, there's a sense that at the return of the Lord, that that particular day will be a great day and a terrible day, a wonderful day and an awful day. One of the scriptures I read said, and all the tribes of the earth will wail. They're not wailing in joy, they're crying. The return of the Lord ushers in judgment. I think you understand what that means. If you are headed to court, your feelings about the court date are based precisely on what you expect to happen when you arrive in court. If you are a scoundrel who is to be punished, the court date is not one you anticipate. Those kind of court dates are not anticipated, they are dreaded. But if you are headed to court to receive justice, if you expect to be compensated for the damages inflicted on you, then you anticipate the day when the accounts are settled and justice is restored and at least you are vindicated. None of us, though, are headed to court looking for justice, though, are we? We're all headed looking for mercy. And somehow there's been a plea bargain worked out on our behalf. And Jesus has already pronounced the fact that we will, all of his children, receive mercy when we get there. And so our joy should already be beginning. Because even though we deserve punishment, we're going to get blessing because of the price that Jesus Christ paid for us. And so we can anticipate this great day. All of the Old Testament promises about the end of violence, the end of pain, the end of strife, all of those things now come into fruition when Jesus returns again. The kingdom of God, which is already available to us, will be fully expressed on the day of Jesus' return. There will be absolute peace, absolute safety, absolute joy for the children of the kingdom on that day. And so the day of the Lord for us is a day we anticipate with fondness. For the child of God, there is no dread for that great day. And yet for many, it will be a time of dividing, a day of judgment, a day of eternal loss. And because we know all of this, because we know not only that we will receive mercy, but that mercy is for the children of God, that spurs us on to activity. In the same way that the prophecies of Isaiah gave Israel something to do about it, 
to look for the weak, to, to strengthen those who are the weak. The prophecy of the coming of Jesus also gives us something to do about it. In our day, the job we are given, you heard it at the end of the First Thessalonians 4 passage. Since we know the Lord is coming, since we know that we will be caught up in the air to meet him, verse 18, therefore we encourage one another with these words. We encourage others to be prepared. We live in ways that demonstrate that we are prepared. That's our assignment. It's an Advent assignment, but it is an every day of the year assignment to proclaim the truth that Jesus Christ is coming again. And that the only thing that makes sense is to live prepared to meet him. The Isaiah passage, which talks about the highway of holiness, it's, it's a verse I love. Uh, because it describes in such a winsome way uh, the process God creates for us to return to him. It, it, it demonstrates the life we can live as we're returning. It talks about the protection of God in this process of us finding our way to heaven's home. And, and there's, there's a part of it that every time I read it, I, I have this huge internal smile. This is... This is 35.8, Isaiah 35.8 again. A highway shall be there. It shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. And this is the part I love. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. I am an idiot most of the time. I am a fool. I stumble so frequently. If left to my own devices, how on earth do I have any chance to stay on this highway of holiness? But we have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have a personal tour guide. And the promise of God is even idiots will be able to find their way on this. We're not going to have to be PhDs in rocket science to figure out how to get to heaven. This is just for folks who will embrace the leadership of the Holy Spirit and walk with him. Stay stuck on your tour guide's shoulder and you're going to be fine. You can make it. And the joy of knowing your success in reaching heaven should percolate through your body all the time. We are the most joyful of people because we have a guide who knows the way and who's given this promise that even fools can't get lost on this. That's how deep the promise of God is for us. I am grateful to be walking on the highway of holiness. I know many of you are as well. The invitation to step onto that road is open to everyone. That's what it means to walk in the kingdom of God today. And this is the road that is leading us to the place that Jesus is preparing for us. And we are going to successfully arrive there, idiots included, because Jesus by his spirit is leading us. And so today I invite you at a minimum to do these two things. Be ready 
yourself. Be certain that you have stepped onto the highway of holiness. To be certain that you have stepped into this kingdom that is now available because Jesus himself has come to earth. And then secondly, take up your assignment. Encourage those who are fearful and are weak, who are blind, who are lost. When we talk in staff meeting every once in a while, I like to use this terminology about the things we plan to do, the different activities, services of the church. This is the phrase I like to use. We need as many on-ramps as we can conceivably come up with so that people can enter the kingdom. That's what all our activities are about. That's everything we do is about that. It's creating more on-ramps to the highway of holiness so that people can travel together with us to the glorious kingdom of God. That's our task, that's your task, that's our task as a congregation. And it's my prayer that here in Advent, we once again remember that Jesus not only came, but he is coming again. That we must prepare for his coming again. And we must encourage those around us to step on the highway of holiness with us. I've invited Aaron to come back and we're going to sing a closing song together. And if while we sing this song, you're not certain that you've accepted the invitation of Jesus to step into the kingdom, if you're not certain that you are walking on the highway of holiness, if you have forgotten what it means to follow the Spirit, I invite you while we sing in your mind to address your Heavenly Father, to ask Him to renew the promises in you. Humble yourself before the judge. He's coming. Proclaim Jesus to be Lord of your life again. He's coming. Be encouraged to know that no matter how far astray you've gotten, no matter how much of an idiot you've been, Jesus loves us and he's continually inviting us back in and saying, step it up, man. There's the road. Walk in it so that together we can rejoice as we find our way home. That's our promise. That's the good news of Advent. Jesus Christ is coming again. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your promise. And though we don't know the time, though we don't know the season, we hear your call to be prepared in season and out of season. Help us to that end, that together we may all walk safely to the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing together in closing. Alleluia, sing to Jesus, is the scepter, is the throne. Alleluia, is the triumph, 
is the victory alone. Hark the songs of peaceful Zion thunder like a mighty flood. Jesus out of every nation has redeemed us by his blood. Alleluia, King eternal, you the Lord of lords we own. Alleluia, born of Mary, earth your footstool, heaven your throne. You have come to be our Savior. You have come to be our friend. Let us fix our eyes upon you, serve you only to the end. It may be that hearing what we've said today has raised questions in your mind. I would encourage you, if you have lingering questions, things you want to talk out, please call the church this week. Send us email. Let's make an appointment to get together and talk together. It's too, poor, too important a decision to procrastinate, right? If we're going to have joy in Christmas, we need to have our feet firmly planted on the highway of holiness. And we want joy at Christmas. And now may the Father keep you in his way. And may the Lord Jesus Christ inspire you by his gift. And may the Holy Spirit be your guide moment by moment that you may know the full joy that God has in mind for you this day and always. Amen.